And welcome back to the discussion phase, a board gaming podcast where we take a break from playing the games we love. To talk about the games we love. I'm your host, Matthew. And I'm Brady. And today we're taking board gaming personality tests. Sometimes we don't realize the kind of board gamers we are until we put pen to paper to figure it out. We'll also be talking about our favorite vacations we'd like to take if we were taking them in the world of our favorite board games. So stick around, and as always, buckle up. All right, Matthew. So it's summertime. We've been a little bit busy. Um, We've got a lot going on, including saying goodbye to one of our own members of the group. I know. Uh, We actually, it actually got extended a little bit. So those who may not, I I think he mentioned it on the last time he was on the podcast, but David and his wife, Sam, are moving a couple hours away. Is it North Carolina? No. Is it Virginia? It's in Virginia. Okay. Danville. Danville. Uh, so they'll be moving, you know, it was three or four hours away. Uh, so we, we're not going to be able to game as often. He did say his wife, uh, Sam, did give him permission once a month to have a, a weekend boys trip. Yeah, um, and we've got a lovely guest bedroom. Yeah, for him to here. come and stay. So we've been we've been spending time with him saying, saying our, well, not goodbyes, but best wishes, I guess. I mean, he's going to be... He's not going to be leaving our lives forever. I'm sure he's going to be gone a little bit while he gets set up and stuff with their house and the move. They're just closing on their new house. They were originally supposed to be leaving a day or two ago, but they're they're closing on their house, got pushed out, so maybe we'll get another weekend of gaming with yeah. him. So um, that leaves a void in the game group. We're going to have to yeah. open up auditions a void for, for future members. For someone who likes very eclectic the board <laughs> game taste, I would say, uh, David's board game tastes are everything from on Mars to modern art to yeah. space cosmic frogs and he traded crash away octopus. on Mars and is trying to like forcibly push it on us. Now. I know, so someone else will buy it, so he yeah. gets to play, but he doesn't but have to he own does, it. He's not even going to be here. I know. He oh loves doing God. those little tricksy. Well, David loves the hey. If I don't, if I don't like the game, you know what? I still get to do. I get to trade it. And for yeah. David... That's like the greater game for David. Yeah, anyways. trading games to get better values out of them is um, something that David's really into. Uh, but we're going to ha- be sad to see him go. We're going to have to get him on one of the weekends he comes down to do some podcast episodes. Yep. Um, but what are some things you've been into, Brady? Well, we did get to play an oldie that um, that you've had for a while. Um, Just Kemet sitting on the show. Kemet, yeah, Kemet. you want to say it. Kemet, Kemet. And this is an old copy you had. I know they recently just had the uh, Blood and Sands reprint. Blood and Sand update. Um, but this is actually one that I had been wanting to play for a while because um, I had played the other ones um, in the from uh, what is it, Madigo, um, in this mm-hmm. kind of wheelhouse. So I had played Cyclades or Cyclades or however I, you want to say that. I've one. never played that one. Do you own a copy of it? I do not. But I had a friend who had one and it, it was pretty good. It's got like this very interesting like a bidding system in it, um, I think for battles or for turn order or something like that. It's been a long time. I played it in college. Um, but yeah, we got to play Kemet, which I feel like and was they also sort have of done like Inish the as original well. um, Blood Rage almost, because uh, you kind of get to um, sort of draft and build up your own unique player ability. So it kind of felt like, um, you know, Blood Rage if it came out like 10 years ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, because the big thing in this game is that you have temporary victory points and permanent victory points. So it's it's a combination of, hey, build your engine, get, accomplish things, you get rewards for it, but there's also some area control and some variability because your permanent victory points are coming from things like upgrading your pyramid in your city, um, buying some tiles or some monsters that have victory points. Whenever you win a battle as an attacker, as the aggressor, you get a permanent victory point. Those will never be taken away from you um, but there are several temporary victory points that you can get in the game that you get from controlling special holy locations with obelisk on them. Um, and you really going to need at least one or two of them maybe to get a good position to win the game. Um, because depending on the game length, you can play eight or 10 victory points for win condition. I think you can technically, if you even want in a really long game, play up to 12. Um, but usually, I mean, in our game, I don't, can't remember how many rounds we played, but everyone was in a pretty good position to try to buy for a victory there at the end of the game. And so I know it's like Inish where, you know, you have no permanent victory points. Everything is in flux constantly and you can be completely wiped out. This, it had, I'd say 75% of your victory points are going to come from those permanent victory points. And then those last little 25% 
or maybe area control, maybe getting in a, there are a couple places where you can like sacrifice some warriors for a victory point, some stuff like that. But yeah, it was a lot closer than I thought it was going to be at the end. Um, cause it, it still has a little bit of that, um, sort of like king making aspect to it. But I think for me, like significantly less than Inish. Yeah. And I think turn order is something really unique in it because whoever has the least amount of victory points gets to determine turn order each round. Um, for some reasons, you may want to go earlier. For some reasons, you may want to go later. So one isn't necessarily better than the other. I think going later is better because you're the person who gets to go last because everyone gets five actions each round. So obviously being the last one to take actions on a round where people can't respond to uh, and getting yourself in vic- victory point position to possibly score at the end of the round because it's it's a there's no particular round number to whoever has eight victory points at least at the end of a round triggers end game and then whoever has the most victory points uh, win and there's also every time you play you could play differently because the asymmetry everything everyone is equal on the board equal on your player board but there are power tiles that you can buy there are the red ones that are focused on combat. Um, they're the blue ones that are maybe focused on extra recruiting, on defensive abilities, actually winning a victory point if you win a battle as a defender. So actually getting something like that can make you someone that people may not want to mess with. And then there's white ones that you can kind of focus on your prayer points, which is your economy and, and things like that. So yeah, there's I'd a little bit of variety. to see what the blood and sand one um, offers because I know it's got like two more different colored uh, like factions or whatever for the power tiles yeah for the power well tiles. i know there is an expansion i can't remember the name of it set or seth or something like that that's yeah. an expansion for kemet um for it i don't know all that it adds but there's a variety in play style with it but it is a game to where you can attack real quick you can get your troops defeated real quick and then you can just as easily get them back on the board uh, yeah. So it's a game that promotes constant engagement. Like you're never, some games you get hit hard, you get attacked, your pieces are gone. And you're done, yeah. And you, it takes you several rounds, if you even that, to get back into the game where you can literally have all of your troops removed. Very next round, you can recruit them back in your city. And, and tele- the, the ability to teleport to an obelisk from your city, you're essentially within two march spaces of everyone else on the board. Yeah. Or directly you can teleport into a hotly contested. So there is, you always feel like I can jump right back in the battle. Yeah. What do you, what do you feel about that? Where like the board is almost irrelevant in a way. Cause you, you're always just like two spaces away. Um, so like thematically, you know, like if we're talking about like risk where, you know, there's like Australia over here and North America over here. And those are like very far away. So I know like if I'm kind of huddled up in Australia like you can't necessarily get to me. Yeah, I don't know. There's a little bit of security I, in that. Yeah, there's so the, in a game like that you have secure, but you also feel like you can equally engage with anyone on the board at any time if you need to. Because certain times of the game, someone else may be doing better versus someone else. But I never felt like, well, because I'm on this side of the board, I just can't do anything about John and his troops. And so I have to hope that David can do something with it. I know I can always be the master of, of my own destiny in the yeah, game yeah. or that I can interact with someone else to some, to some degree. Um, so you never, fe- cause there's games when you play, it was like, well, if X person doesn't do this, then there's nothing that we can do and all our hope is on them, but maybe they don't want to do it or they don't do it effectively, but you never get that sense of feeling. Yeah. And so I, I know, I know why people love it. Like it's very, very clean. There's a couple rules that I think they streamline a little bit more the day versus night. Some of the movements and everything like that are a little more streamlined in the blood and sand um, with it. But I think the only thing for me is that I never felt that sense of tension or I never really like, I know playing games isn't just about winning, but like I enjoy like, man, am I worried if I'm going to lose, if I don't do this move, I never felt like, man, if I do a prayer action versus a March action versus recruit action in a certain particular order, yeah, it can make a little bit different, but I never felt it was super critical if I did one versus the other at a certain time. And I never felt that like tension about the decisions because, you know, not a bad thing because, you know, John didn't really start scoring victory points until the end of the game and he got right into the fray of it. And so all those things are good things of positive play interaction. You're all involved in the game. But I did feel like I wish there was maybe a little more tension. And like if I made a mistake, it was actually something that would cost me a little bit. I never felt like making a mistake in Kimmet is super costly. Yeah, yeah. That's not necessarily a bad thing, yeah. but I definitely think I may enjoy that. 
I may choose a game that has that in it more than overcame yeah. it. So that was our big dudes on the map game for the week. But we also got in Terra Mystica, which Terra is Mystica. Like, that's about as heavy of a game as you're willing I to play. Want to play? Yeah, yeah. And and you've had differing thoughts on Terra yeah. Mystica. I took a Terra Mystica journey this week. And because we played it, it's a game that I sort of get hungry for every now and then. Um, and a game that I really want to get better at this, this one, I like notoriously come in last every time. And so this time we played, I came in last and I was like, you know what? I want to get better at this game. So I bought the app and I just grinded it on the app and I did not get any better. (laughs) What all factions did you play when you did? I pretty much played every single one of them, except for the, like, new factions. Um, the, like, Fire and Ice one or whatever. But I just kind of wanted to, like, get the fundamentals down. Yeah. But I don't, I don't know what it is. Like, it's a very tactical game. Like, you, like, with those scoring bonuses for building certain things, you're like, okay, what do I need to do right now to get points? And so I think, for me, I I just struggle with that. I um, and a, like half the game, I feel just stuck and I feel like I can't yeah. hardly do anything. Yeah, because the really cool thing that makes it interesting and also difficult at the same time is that so many Euros or Ameritrash or whatever you want to call it type games is the more you do, the more victory points that are innately attached to items or the bigger you build your engine, you're automatically going to be producing more resources or more victory points. Um, in Terra Mystica, you could be the most efficient player and build the biggest empire and yeah. build everything and have the most money and resources coming in. And although there are some victory conditions that you can put in there for, for like the size of your network and everything like that, but you could do all that and have your board completely emptied of all your pieces and upgrade and everything and still not do well because it's all about when you do it, not yeah. necessarily what. Because each round, there are bonuses for building certain type of buildings when. And there's no like set order. It's not like, hey, this is a pre-map. You build your little ones, then big ones, and then your bigger temples and strongholds. Sometimes it gives you rewards for building your shrimple, temples and strongholds before you build your trading posts or more of your houses. And so sometimes it can be illogical. Um, to go after certain um, victory point conditions at certain times because it may go against what you think you should be doing for your engine. Um, but, you know, I think a good score in the game is maybe anywhere from 130, 140, somewhere in there. So every little point counts. I think the most I ever scored was like 110. So definitely not up there to the winning score yet. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just find it like really hard, if, especially if you don't get like the terraforming tile in the beginning. Expanding is just so difficult in that game because it just costs so many resources um, that you have to like burn and all that. Um, but we also got in another one, another oldie, which is Power Grid. Um, unfortunately, this is a game I, you love, and we I haven't played really it in a while. Like it. Yeah, we haven't played it in a while, and I forgot some of the rules. Unfortunately, like. And they seem so insignificant that you're supposed to like take out some of the um, like power plant cards um, to like uh, balance the player yeah. count. And stuff. It's, it's the deck of cards that, that you're bidding on. Yeah, we did not do that. And the game like essentially just broke. We were, we ended up being like stuck in phase two for like forever. Probably two or three extra rounds. Because what happened is there yeah. were the cards that we were available to buy none of them were better than the cards that we had and they yeah. weren't getting moved. Um, and so yeah. and we so, were just stuck and we were just literally all we could do because we couldn't build any more houses because you can't start building your third houses or your power plants on, um, or your factories or whatever on cities until the third phase. So we have already, there's nowhere else to build on the board because we haven't hit phase three, which is from a card in that stack. So we have nothing to do with our money other than just buy resources. So yeah, Alex, so- your friend that was in and then I, we just bought all the resources out from underneath you. Yeah, so I couldn't buy it. And then by the end of the game, it was basically just kind of busted. So that one's on me, but I think we need to give Power Grid another chance. Yeah, it, I mean, it 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 is tact it is tactical with it. I it's just so dreadful to look at. And I wish and I That's the paper true. money. I I think this is definitely a game where the poker chips would be more interesting. I yeah. think a part of it is maybe you 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 like to hide your money and stuff. Um, but the bidding in the turn order system is like you, it's something you're constantly dis- you're, like. You're, I love like that immediate turnaround. You can immediately see where you need to invest your money yeah. and all that. It's it's just a solid. You may, economic you may purposely not build an extra house on the board. 
because you wanted to have the advantage in the turn order. Because yeah, uh, being first is that you be first. If you're first player, you get to bid first, but you're also buying resources and building last, which means you're gonna have to pay more and you're gonna have fewer spaces to build on. So really, that is a game you almost want to be last in. Yeah, because really, you don't. Well, there really, I don't see there's any need to be first because even if you're not the first one to bid, you can still always bid on something. I don't feel like there's ever any reason to be first in that game. Yeah, I mean, other than at the very end of the game, but yeah, I, part of the tension that I love in is that turn game, order a tiebreaker. Uh, no, money is a tiebreaker. I've never seen it go past like there's a lot of money in that game. I've never seen it go to like another tiebreaker. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, I love the tension of going like, okay, like when am I going to make my big swing towards first? Because when you do it, you. But kind why of would want you to want to? Stay maybe I'm just confused. First. Why would you want to swing to? F- are you talking about first in? I'm talking about first in turn order. Not well, first and like victory, well, first victory in, point. Well, first in turn order is victory points. That's yeah. what it is. So if you're if you have the most victory points, you are first. Yeah. So that's why. Um, so yeah. you want to time it to do it on the last round where end game is triggered. Yeah, or something like that. Or you can, I mean, if you're playing well enough, you can do it like the the round or two before. Um, I've seen someone play in college where he was he was in first the whole time. Um, and and won the game and yeah. we because he was like producing so much and we were all like try, like trying to hang back and he just um out like led us like really hard and, and just won outright yeah, um, yeah. It, I, i'm surprised they haven't done a more updated edition of that game i know and they because did, it was really big the like, deluxe edition and the deluxe not, edition it's like it's so sad like it's not anything like modern yeah, i mean it didn't it hold a pretty high rank on board game geek for, for it's still there a while? it's still i thought it was like number seven for a while no 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 it there's there's it's i know it's not that high uh it may have been a long time that's what i'm saying a long time back in the day back in the day back in the day it was I'm, i mean it's still a top 100 game um but no 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 it's, I would be surprised if it's... What do you think? What do you put it at? I, it's it's lower than... It's it's not anything higher than 30. Yeah, it's 44. Yeah. Uh, so it has dropped a bit, but back in the but day, like it right did hold a pretty Underwater good. Cities and Zulkin, which are two of our favorites. Two of our favorites. Yep. Yeah, so I definitely think it, it's a game that... I I think I enjoyed at a lower player count, three. I thought three was a good player count, four. I think four is a good... Four is a perfect player count. The only thing that bothers me about that game is I wish they would just build the maps to suit the player number. Versus I, taking yeah, sections off. Yes. I hate marking sections off. That feels so fiddly. We're like, oh yeah, we just well, have to kind of Well, also too, to all the sections aren't built equal. Like there are some exp- it's sections are more expensive or there's less building or more building opportunities. So you're, you don't really know how it is balanced out best at player count. And so I'm sure online, if you go online on BoardGameGeek, they have recommended here, this is the side of the map you should use, and these are the spaces you should use if you're doing a three-player versus four versus a five-player game. Yeah, I'm sure that's on there. I, it'd be insane if it wasn't. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think we, sh- we should get some more plays with it. We'll just put in some poker chips. We've also um, gone into a game as a level 99 game that Steven uh, recently got, and he's been playing the fire out of it, and that is Bullet Heart. And it's not the word heart, it's bullet and then the emoji heart is oh. what it is. Um, essentially, this game reminded me a lot of Tosh Kalar. It's it's all yeah. about spatial uh, movement and awareness and matching, um, what am I trying to think of? Matching orientations to clear things out. So the, how this essentially works is you have a player board in front of you. Uh, there are five columns. Each column is a different color, red, blue, green, purple, pink, something like that. And then each of those has seven rows in it. Uh, and you start the game with a bag of bullets. They're essentially just disc tokens, cardboard, and each one has a number and a color. Based on the color, that's the row, that's the column you put it in, and the number is how many spaces down it goes. So you pulling these bullets out of your bag and you're filling up your board. Um, if there is a space already filled in, you skip it. So like adding more to the same row just um, makes it move farther and farther down. Um, and but what you have to do, each player has a special ability and a deck of cards of how they can remove the bullets. Um, so one character's ability is that they so it's, you have to match up your card to conditions. So maybe you have to have three bullets in a row or you have to have certain bullets of a certain color in a certain position. You can play your kind of action card and you can kind of move them, clear them, remove them. Some characters are all about pushing them off your board. 
Some characters are all about matching orientations to remove them. Some I think yeah. one character is all about like adding and subtracting numbers. Yeah, so it's like competitive Tetris almost, where yeah. you're like trying to move move these bullets out of the way. Yeah, or I think the one thing that adds a little extra is that you have on the side you have this like action points, and you can spend action points to take these little auxiliary actions, which is like manipulating where these discs. So you're not just stuck where they are randomly. You can move the disc. Uh, you can orientate them differently. You can draw extra cards that you can use to do the board. Um, I think it's a good, quick little puzzle game. I just don't know how much replayability. Like yeah. I like I feel like I played it three times. I did a couple different uh, characters. Um, I think no, I've played it four times now. I played it four times now at least, and I played at least three different characters. I it still felt like we're just kind of doing the same thing each round. There is more tension because each round there's more and more bullets added. Um, I definitely think if you're someone who enjoys um, spatial Tetris type puzzles, like I enjoy puzzly games, but I enjoy like the the like the thinking out part of it more than just moving pieces and completing. Like if you're someone who loves um, what's that iPhone game that everyone it's um, like a Candy Smash, Candy, candy Crush. Crush. Yeah, yeah candy if you're someone Crush. who loves Candy Crush, this is like Candy Crush Gamer Edition. Yeah, yeah, uh, with a little more strategy on top of it. What were you? I mean, you you played it only the once. Yeah, I played it once. There wasn't a whole lot of tension for me. I felt like I could, I don't know, kind of. And you're all playing like at the same time. It's a real time game, and so it's hard to tell what the other players are doing. I feel like you could just be like moving pieces around, like yeah, and not know what you're doing. Really, I felt like that's what I was doing. I'm like, uh, I'm just kind of moving these pieces around, and I yeah, yeah there wasn't. Well, a the lot one of little thing is that your bullets that you clear you move them over to the person to your left and they have to add that to their bag with their new bullets and so it's kind of a little bit of that tension of like is this person beside me doing well i gotta make sure i do even better to push those bullets so you're like you're just rotating these bullets around until someone can't hold them anymore because whenever the bullets reach the bottom of your row they move over and they take one of your lives some characters have two three or four lives depending on their abilities Uh, i thought it was interesting neat i definitely I haven't seen this game really much anywhere else until Steven mentioned it um, on Board Game Geek or really any reviewers really talking about it. But I could definitely see where people who love those little puzzly, not overly complex. It's a short. You can play 15 minutes a game. I, I feel like there's going to be a lot of like little hidden gems that come out of like the 2020, 2021 things where people couldn't couldn't like get games. And so we're going to be kind of rediscovering games that came out in, in that time period. Yeah. Be, yeah, definitely. I feel like we we've done that a lot, yeah. uh, but those are some um, of the games we got in some of the new ones. Oh, we also got in, but well, we got in a round of coffee traders. So I've been really excited. <laughs> yeah. And um, Brady, unfortunately wasn't able to stay long enough for us to continue. So we only got one round. We did a teach and then we played yeah. one full round of the game. There's three full, well, they're called periods. Uh, one of the periods of the game. Um, yeah, I will hold off my full judgment on that until we can get another round in. But it, at first, it was—it's a very pretty-looking game, and I did not—I um, completely underestimated how heavy it was going to be. So we played one round, and I was very clueless on like what direction I was going in, what was important in the game, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's a game that combines some area control as well along with economy efficiency and kind of little engine building with it. Um, there's very unique ways that you interact with it. Where once we get a full play up through it, we can do a little more in-depth review. But I'm really excited for it. Um, um, to me, it's a really cool theme, the one we don't have before. Yeah. We haven't had it or played before. Um, we don't really have a lot of games set in other than like the Zulkin and the Teo, uh, Teowacan type games that are set in like the south america um central it's, america yeah, it's type all over the place because it's, it's like in indonesia and africa right yeah essentially you're playing in these all different the cooperatives and it's really interesting because you are needing to it's not a cooperative game or even a semi-co-op but like certain actions that players do you can benefit from because you're all trying to make these different cooperatives these areas on the board with your coffee plants produce but then you're also competing to be who gets a take the majority of your share. So you're all contributing to how much is produced, but then you're also competing to who gets the most coffee produced. Yeah. So it's really interesting. So um, I'm looking forward to an actual full play now that we've all got a good sense of the yeah. rules and mechanics. But the other thing that we got into this week, what um, do we get into? Uh, I, I don't know who initially posted this or where it even came from, but we, we posted these like board game personality types. So yeah. 
Um, yeah, so that's I, where we get into like our main topic. David um, or John originally posted this. Um, I didn't end up taking mine until later. Um, so before we get into it, how, Matthew, how much like stock do you give personality tests in general? Or like, yeah, like it any, is, you know, Myers-Briggs. What's the other one? Uh, uh, there's the Myers-Briggs. Um, this is the road back to you. There is an, an, Enneagrams, Enneagrams, Enneagrams. Yeah, yeah. Road back to you. Um, I, th- <laughs> I've taken, su- I've taken. Which Harry Potter house are you a part of? Oh yeah, oh oh yeah. When you get started like that, you there was a craze <laughs> years ago where like all over Facebook it was taking a test to see which character yeah. from what movie or what book or TV series yeah, that yeah. you were like. That was literally all what, over Facebook. What, uh, what element you bend and Avatar: The Last Airbender, all that everything. Kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, I've taken some of these before, and I've. Honestly, I've been surprised by the reflection from reading this. It's like, you know what? That actually, the results is pretty close. But I think it's easy to reflect the pe- person that we think we are yeah. when we take the test. Because we know we're taking a test. And obviously, our human nature is when we take a test, we want to succeed. And so we want to imagine the best version of ourselves or the version that we think we are. Because humans, we have the nature to, or the versions we think we are is clearly the best version of a person to be. Uh, so whatever type of person you are, you just envision this. And so you can kind of have kind of a, um, just a repeating cycle of your own thoughts, creating your own outcomes or something yeah. like that. But I think they can be interesting if you just, I think when I try taking, I just try gut answer just real quick. If you can take them faster, I think you'll probably get a more accurate answer. Maybe. I don't know. That's what yeah. I try to do with this one. It's like just first thought, first gut reaction. This is what I clicked on. Yeah. I kind of view them all as like those like Buzzfeed, um, (laughs) tests that you see on like social media or Facebook, like even like Enneagram and Myers-Briggs, I just kind of view them as like a slightly beefed up version of like which Harry Potter house you belong to. Um, and I don't know, maybe I'm old school like that. So I, it was interesting to do this. Um, I just, think that like our personalities are so like complex and ever changing and evolving. And here's five that, questions that define yeah. you and all your infinite uniqueness. Yeah. And so to me, and it's not even that I don't necessarily want to be put in the box. It's that I don't think anyone can really be put in a box outside of like, you know, extrovert and introvert. And I half the time I couldn't even tell you which one of those two things I am. Yeah. And I do think it's interesting because it allows us to look and reflect on things. And our game group is very diverse and different. Yes. And that's one of the things like is really great. Like one thing is like like you can be like, hey, we got a great game group. We're all to we all enjoy the same couple games, the same genre of gaming, whatever it is, war hammer or X-Wing or deck builders or just uh, dungeon crawlers, whatever it might be. You have a game group and that, that is your games. That's why you all play. But I feel like our game group is very, very different. Like between the five of five, six of us, like we're all like, there are games that I would never even play or hear about unless Steven brought them in. It's like, Hey, here's this game you've never heard about. Let's play it. Yeah, and yeah. then David's always on these weird, crazy cosmic frog um, type games. And then um, we have John and David bringing in our more of like fun dice rolling games. And then you and I are bringing in our bread and butter Euros, I feel like a lot of the times. Yeah, I think we're probably the ones pushing the Euros more than anybody Probably more than anyone else. So it was really interesting to see everyone's personality. Um, So what this test does, um, well, the web, let's pull, let's shout out the website here. It's Quantic Foundry. Um, You can put a link in the the podcast description if people want to go and take the test themselves. Um, and what kind of questions did it ask? Because it, it was actually fairly long. Um, it took me probably like 10 minutes to do it. Yeah, so at first I thought, am I taking the right thing? Because it seemed more like one of those random surveys you get suckered into taking online. So the first kind of questions it asks you is like, in the past six months, how often did you play board games? Um, obviously we answered yeah. multiple times a week. Um, it'll ask you about who, what, what type of people are you usually playing with? Family, friends, strangers, strangers like yeah. at a meetup? Uh, for there. ask you like ones that you played recently or some of your favorite games, things like that. And, but then it kind of gives you like these, these like ranking questions or you'd rank something to like, no, I don't enjoy this to I love this. And it would say like, you know, backstabbing your friend in this game or whatever. Um, and so it'd ask you like 
less about specific games and more about like game stuff in general. Yeah. So like some examples are the game has a great deal of strategic depth and complexity. How important is that to you? And then it'll ask something like trying out new games to stay up to date. Or it may say games with worlds that have elaborate history, lore, and characters. Or is a game that's easy to teach, is that important to you more than necessarily what's in the game itself? Or just the game's themes and setting, is it important to you that it's strongly reflected in the art and to the design of the components? Yeah, yeah. And I felt like a lot of these answers I was answering yes to. Um, and we'll go over our results, but I felt like some of it, like, do you enjoy long, thinky games? And I was like, yes, I do. But it, I felt like he was asking me, like, by answering yes, I was also saying yes to I don't like fun. To yeah. me, those long, well, those mid-weight to longer weight kind of thinky euros are, to me, that's what I was fun. Because there's some questions like, do you enjoy just laughing and fun with your friends? I'm just like, I do. I know if I say yes to this, you're going to tell me I like a bunch of, I want, yeah, yeah, you're yeah. going to recommend party games to yeah. me. Yeah, so I was kind of looking at some of your all's results, and I, I don't know what kind of graph this is or like the technical name for it. Um, I think, so it has like four quadrants. Yeah. yeah. And then there is a primary and secondary um, affinity in each one. So the blue is the dark one. That's your primary affinity. I think the gray is your secondary. Yeah, and so when I was looking at your all's results, I think I was one of the last ones to take this. Your alls were the blue and the gray were like some shape that resembled like a diamond looking thing or like a yeah. triangle. We all had like one quadrant that we didn't yeah. kind of go toward as much. But then when I pulled up mine, I, I was like, wait, did I do this right? Because mine is like looks like a little star. Like it's like this slim little thing. Yeah. Where I have like laser specific apparently. Yeah like tastes and board games. So to give a little bit better idea of what we're talking about here, you have four different quadrants. One is conflict at the top. Mm-hmm. The bottom one is immersion. To the right is strategy. And to the left is fun. So you have conflict, immersion, strategy, and fun. It and what it does is social fun too. Social fun. Social fun. And so what it does is kind of create a diamond type um, shape that kind of its points are how strong you are in each of those categories. And so several, a lot of us had points that were very, our diamonds were pretty big and spread out. Um, like mine was, I high, had a high affinity for conflict, social manipulation, as well as aesthetics for my immersions, and then discovery and strategy. I had very little on the fun side, but that's just because I answered no to like, party games a lot Um, but mine was pretty spread out in all those other ones and a lot of ours were too but brady's was literally like a little needle that pointed (laughs) straight to uh strategy Strategy there was nothing there for uh for fun and there was the secondary little tinier uh lighter diamond that was for the immersion and for the conflict i'm honestly surprised you even had anything in the conflict direction well it says I have 2% in conflict, 2%. And there's like, and it's funny because they were, a lot of times they were asking like conflict and then social manipulation. I kind of like, um, like social manipulation. Like I like the resistance and things like that. Um, so it kind of makes sense, I guess. Uh, and the resistance has less to do with like, you know, con combat and like rolling dice and that sort of stuff. But I also had 76% in aesthetics. So I want my game to look good, apparently. Um, but it was, at, there were a couple of questions where I was asking, like, um, like how much do you look into the, um, like the, the background of the designers and the artists and things like that? And I remember thinking, like, that was a write up, you know, you were in David's Alley. And I was like, no, no, none of that. Um, so and it, then even the ones where it was talking about like, you, you know, you want to play a game with like this rich history and background. I was kind of like, eh, no, not really. I guess they're talking about like Dungeons and Dragons and that type of stuff. Well, or, to me is like a game like, um, like Pax Premier, where Pax Premier to me, something, like but to me, that's like, that's flavor. really immersive. Like, yeah, but and, like how often are you like reading the flavor text down there. But to me, immersion isn't always necessarily like the flavor text. It's like, maybe it's the feeling. Like I felt like we were in this world, I guess yeah, to me. Cause and you're so, playing what on the little. Yeah. So to like, me, I put, thing. I actually put a lot in immersion. Like to me, a lot of those immersions actually really important to me, but I was like, I know by answering this, it's going more onto the fantasy type, just, um, 
dice rolling type games. But for me, I enjoy immersion in Euros in like the world and setting. It actually kind of does more of a breakdown. So uh, for myself, when it goes over conflict, the section high conflict versus low conflict, um, I answer kind of 35% with conflict, but most of it came from social manipulation. That was my... The, the, the lighter color is called your secondary motivation. Mm-hmm. So the reason I'm motivated in conflict is mostly for social manipulation. Um, so oh, that okay. was my motivation for conflict. And so it gives you like, why do you want conflict? And so I, I tested lower for conflict for just straight up combat, but more for the social manipulation. And then for the strategy, con, con, uh, the strategy uh, section, I tested 93% in strategy. Um, and the breakdown is I answered 93% with all the questions that asked for just general strategy, but then 99% for discovery. So for me, the whole strategy aspect is like, what am I discovering? I'm discovering this new combo or this new way the game can work, or I'm I'm finding out how to play this game that other people haven't played before. And then 90% need to win. So on the questions that had to do with needing to win, I was 90%. So okay. that was like one of my motivations for strategy is the need and desire to win. Are you seeing that there on your breakdown? If you scroll down lower... Um, beneath your chart uh yeah i scored a 91 percent need to win and discovery 12 percent strategy 76 percent yeah i i i was like i don't know like a lot of the questions i asked you need like about needing to win it just makes you feel like a terrible person like the only reason you want to play games is so you can win but I, like i th- i feel like a good game should make you want to win and yeah. like there are games that I play where I'm like, yeah, I don't really care if I win and I don't enjoy playing those games. And that was kind of what I was saying about Kemet earlier is like, I didn't feel a need to win or really caring much if I win or lose. And maybe that's on a way, just way we look at board games. Cause you know, what's the point of playing board games is to have fun and to do it but with your actually friends. On the flip side, now that I'm thinking about it, like, and maybe it's just, I don't necessarily consider it a board game, but I think of like Telestrations. Like there's no winning in Telestrations, but I love playing that game. What is it about that that you love though? Is it the it's social so interaction? Much, yeah, it's, it's the fun. It's it always, like pretty much every time I play that game, there are like tears being shed over the hilarity of what is being written. Yeah. To me, the drawn. game I like, we played, um, so we had a party that we put together for David and Sam for kind of their going away party. Um, we did some party games and we did, um, fishbowl, fishbowl, which is, is similar it's to like, like monikers, monikers or yeah, banana, yeah. not banana. Gram, it's like a but, combination of taboo and charades and all yeah. that kind of and stuff. And I love that. Like, I know it sounds crazy of the type of games I talk about, but if you just give me an iPad and sync it to your Apple TV and we play, and you open up your notes or your drawing thing, and we play like Pictionary on it and stuff, and like competitive Pictionary, you're drawing and seeing who can guess it first or doing charades. I love that. It's like, you, hey guys, do y'all just want to do Pictionary tonight? I'd say, yeah, let's do it. Like competitive Pictionary. I well, would I not think say no to. Illustrations is a lot. I don't know. It's more fun than, than like just Pictionary. Yeah. I guess it's the fact that there's not a winner in Telestrations. And I feel like, why are we playing? Yeah. Uh. I know it's to have fun. Don't judge. Yeah, you can judge me. I'll allow you to we judge me. We did play a couple of games of uh, Deception Murder yeah. in Hong Kong, and you, I you, was a, I was an ace in that. I was calling people out. Left yeah, and right. you had an epic. You were the first person to guess on the very first round, and you got it correct. And it was David. And it was David. I caught him. He caught him. He probably didn't select his clues and weapons. <laughs> and it was amazing. He had very like well. a leather. It was his like murder weapon and stuff was like a leather strap and a tie. And his wife, Sam, was the forensic scientist. And she just like spelled it out so perfectly what the, the you know, what the murder was. It was like I was watching the news report in my head about exactly what happened. And I'm like, oh, this is it. We're going 100%. Yeah. I think for me, uh, I I won't. I, when we have big groups like ten, twelve, it's always a good option. But to me, it is missing a little. Like I wish there was more tension. Like when we play a game like Don't Mess with Cthulhu, and I didn't think I would ever like a, a game like that. But like there is so much tension. It's a party game, but there's so much tension in every single conversation you have with somebody. Do I tr- even trust you? My decisions that I'm picking. Uh, there's like I love Don't Mess with Cthulhu just because of the tension. Yeah, I with still it. think. As far as like the social deduction games go, the king of them is the resistance. Oh, yeah, by far. But adding some of the little of the modules. Yeah, but like there are just people and a lot of new people that you just cannot play that game with, 
um, they because just don't know how so to respond. Subtle and it's so um, there is so much in depth to it that like normal normal uh, non gamers uh, they just cannot pick up on that. Um, they don't realize the intricacies of the game, and so I think I, I agree with you on don't mess with Cthulhu. It's actually yeah. like a good like budget like newbie friendly version of the resistance yeah and i think the greatest party games are the games that you get more out of when you put more into like the the best games of resistance are the ones where everyone got into it and really paying attention and trying to suss out who is telling the truth and who's lying like those were the always the best games of resistance when we put more of ourselves into the game and i think those are kind of the party games that i enjoy because like no matter how much i put into deception i feel like it's i've always every game we play deception is closely to is pretty close to the same like obviously there's a different person who's investigators and the murderers but like the whole arc of the game is always kind of the same um but like so so but what this personality test getting back to it also gave us were board game recommendations yes i have not looked at mine so yeah so i have mine pulled up and i can explain it so it'll give you give you an option you can pick popular games um niche games or unpopular games something like that and then you can choose do i want Give me games that are in the neighborhood of of all of my answers, like based on my numbers, my statistics, what are games that I would like. And then it also had an option for games that are like way away from games, what I would like. So we can start with games that we would like. We can kind of see, hey, I do like this game. It matches up uh, or like, hey, this is a game I'd like to play. And so some of mine here uh, for the niche, because I felt like the niche were a little more specific uh, for games that would be in my wheelhouse i'd like the first one that's com- coming off here are praga caput regni love that um then it has maracaibo uh puerto rico pax Pamir, um all games that i i like uh arkwright is on here uh, by capstone games uh we love uh city of the big shoulders i think we need to get arkwright and try that out i know a lot of people like that as well but then it had a lot of um uh, Lacerda games on here, Escape Plan, Louis Boa, Kanban, On Mars, like all his big Lacerda games are on here. And I haven't ever played a Lacerda game. Um, I know we've talked about On Mars, I think, before on the podcast. Um, it just dropped on Kickstarter today, the new expansion that adds like some cooperative modes, some one versus all modes, alien invasions, I think is what it's called, onto On Mars. I haven't ever gotten the chance to play it. And I like, he is like heavy thematic euros that is Vital Serta. and like that is exactly my wheelhouse i don't know why i haven't ever david's <laughs> had libs lisboa and he's had on mars i just haven't gotten a chance to play it i know you had a bad experience with on mars and you don't really have a desire to play because there are they are heavy games like on mars i say it's probably his most popular one it's a 4.64 4.69 out of five on the heaviness scale and i know like for you and anything like jacob like at a certain point like when does this get more taxing than it is fun right yeah and i think that's where some people can fall into the crux of i don't want to play his games um but i definitely would like to get some more of his play what are some that you had on your first page there recommendations um okay so did you were you looking at the balance games or so so i clicked on niche niche games yeah niche i felt like that was a little more specific um and then those that were more in your wheelhouse Ooh, i don't recognize a lot of these. So, some the thing is probably really interesting because you were just I'm go, purely strategic. Yeah, I'm going to go popular. Games yeah, actually. go popular with that then. So, the first one is The Voyages of Marco Polo, which I, that one Love. is pretty spot on. It's not number two, but it, I don't know. I feel like they're similar enough to where it kind of counts. Um, we've got Stone Age, which I do love me some Stone Age. Stone Age is fantastic. It's um, always there's recommended. Agricola. I haven't played Agricola in a very long time. Um, and the I've never played time, it. Yeah, I've only ever played Caverna. I, I didn't like love it, but it was a long time ago. And then I've got Five Tribes, which I like okay. Um, Castles of Burgundy, which is one that I have been wanting to play. Um, there's I Istanbul, think you'd like it. There's Istanbul, Castles of Mad King Ludwig, which I have never played. I've been like slightly interested in that one. Yeah. And then there's Power Grid and Puerto Rico. Yeah, I actually really enjoy Istanbul base game and the dice game both. Yeah, they're both great. Uh, I'm surprised. It's been a They're while since we placed it. Games. Yeah, the worker placement and movement in Istanbul is so unique. I don't know if we talked about it before. Yeah, nobody. No, there's not really been a game that comes along that has 
kind of. We definitely need to get that. You you have base that. game Istanbul, right? Mm-hmm. We need yeah. to get that played sometime. I think that would be. I think John. I don't think John's ever played it. Um, yeah, it's a very fun like racing game, resource management game. Yeah, very good. So my my next second page of like niche games, then we may go over to like games that are like our opposite and see if that lines up. But it had Gaia Project. I loved Terra Mystica. Gaia Project is just like the successor of that, so I'm sure I'd love that. It had Vinyos on there, which more that the Great Zimbabwe. Uh, that's another game um, that I've been wanting to try uh, from the same people that did Food Chain Magnet, which is also on this list as well. Uh, they have Tracarion, Legends of Illusion. I have a game. Ooh. I like it. Uh, it's one of those games that we talked about. Like, I like it, but that yeah, was on our on your list with it, and so we definitely need to get that back to the table and played. Anachrony was also on there. Um, Anachrony in 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 theory and in concept is a game that has everything I'd like and want. It's just way too much fiddliness and clutter on the table to enjoy. Then Brass Birmingham, love Brass Birmingham. Think it's a great game. Need to play it at three players. But I, I love it. And then had Food Chain Magnet on there and Underwater Cities as well. Um, so it had a, a lot of games that I really like. So I felt like based on the list that it gave me of games in my wheelhouse, what I the results I got on there were pretty accurate. Yeah, so the second page on mine is Zulkin, which I love. Caverna, which I could see myself loving. We unfortunately, we probably... There's more should. depths in that game if we played it more. We probably should crack that one open again. Um, I've got Seven Wonders, Ticket to Ride. And I do like that we we have like Caverna, which is like super, or what I would consider pretty heavy. Um, and then like I've got Ticket to Ride, which I, I think also if you enjoy. played Caverna again, because it's been a long time, I don't think it would feel as heavy compared to the games we've been playing lately. Uh, but then I've got, I've got Dominion, Great Western Trail, and Scrabble, which is kind of funny. I am terrible at Scrabble. Um, so overall, but you love Dominion. Great I Western do, Trail. So those are pretty. The, I feel like that list is pretty accurate uh, to your taste. It didn't have Hadara or Concordia on there, so, so maybe it's not valid. If you were to give it a little rating, how well, how effective is this tool for like nailing your board game? Well, first I want to look on here the games that are not in your wheelhouse because I haven't looked at this one. Oh, okay, it says game. So it's there's two options. There's game neighborhood method, okay. which is where they find the thousand gamers most similar to your motivation profile and identify the games they enjoy. Because it asks you, you can submit like your top three or four games, but you can also link your board game geek profile and your ranking systems. Uh, and then you can go with game distance, where we find games most similar to the ones. Okay, I, I, maybe I misrepresented that. It says game distances. We find games with most most similar to the ones you enjoy. This method tends to work better if you like a, bo- a broad variety of genres and gameplay. Okay, so then maybe. Okay, I was under the impression that it was like games that the you opposite, would not uh, okay. the opposite. Yeah, because mine are very similar. Yeah, it has Marco Polo, Feast for Odin, Caverna, Blood Rage, Zulkin, um, Manhattan mine has, Project. Mine has Quest for El Dorado and Root on it, which is kind of funny because I. Root is very conflict heavy, and I put like two percent in conflict. Yeah, so it's an interesting tool. If you're a gamer, it's fun. Definitely give it a shot. And compare it to other people in your group. I probably wouldn't be buying games based off of this list. I, I mean, if I only played half, if you said Matthew, you've only played games on page one of your suggestions. You haven't played games on any of page two. I love all the games on page one that it told me about and I liked. I I think it. Be definitely worth. Well, obviously, don't just go out and buy them blind, but it go and look up the games. It gives you like there's so many games. It's it's hard to keep even keep track of, but it could say, hey, hone in on these games to look at and see if you want to play. I think it's Ooh. pretty pretty accurate. And my there. second one, it's got Rising Sun and Ennis Ennis back to back. I don't know. Could that's, you imagine playing, playing those fire. two games back to back in real life? <laughs> I think that <laughs> that would, would wear on you a little yeah, bit. I would. I'd lose it. I'd yeah, end up in a psych ward. I th- I think it's it, it's fun. It it's not going to tell you anything of like, hey, based on your board game personality, you need to reevaluate your life or anything like that. Yeah. But if you're looking like, hey, if you're in like, I love these games. Where do I go next, or how do I find games that I think would like take this personality test, and it'll show you a list of games based on other gamers who had your profile and games they like. Um, and so I think it's pretty pretty accurate. I didn't see anything that was just blaring contradictions on there. So I definitely think 
give it a try. We're going to give it, we'll put the link in our uh, podcast description. Yeah, so we'll you can go and take the a, test yourself. Post a picture of our, our results and maybe get some of the other guys results in there too. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, so it's summertime. We've been kind of doing a little bit of traveling around. I've been camping and going to the beach and all that good stuff. So we thought it'd be fun to do a, a vacation uh, through the eyes of board games. Yeah, vacations so, board game edition. Yeah, vacations board game edition. So you got you've got to go to a place, play and like, and play this board game. So this board game has to um, embody the the location and the vibe of yeah. the place. Really. All right. So why don't you start us off, Brady? Okay. So this is a place I've been really wanting to go for, to for the longest time. Wait, does this have to be real? Yeah. Okay. Real world. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You can't say like Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah, something okay. <laughs> like that on planet Earth, our version of it in this timeline. Yep. Um, I'm glad we have to be that specific. Uh, okay, so my first one is Santorini. I don't necessarily like love Santorini the game, but I have always wanted to go to Santorini, Greece, on some sort of like Mediterranean trip, whether it be a cruise or whatever. And oh my gosh, it would be. Um, it would be a dream to play Santorini like on the back porch of one of those little like whitewashed houses and everything. I would, I am not huge on Instagram as you can probably attest through our, uh, discussion phase Instagram, but, uh, like I would go nuts on Instagram, like taking pictures of, you know, my little miniature uh, Santorini board with the Santorini background and all that kind of stuff. I'd be basic white girl all over Instagram with that right there. A white woman Instagram. Yeah, a white woman Instagram. Yep. Um, so I had a couple. Well, we, we're going to be doing that this this month, so I don't have to put all of them out here. Um, I couldn't think of one that is modern day set. There could be several games you pick for this, but I've always wanted to go to like Southeast Asia um, and just travel, eat the food and just explore um, kind of the China and the Philippines and all that area and stuff. I was trying to think of a really great game and things that popped out was like Mark Voyages of Marco Polo, Chinatown. Isn't there a game called right. Thailand? Thailand. Oh, there's, um, what is that? Uh, Takedo. There's Takedo. There's Sushi Go. Well, Takedo is is uh, Japanese. It's Japanese. Right? Oh, wait, let let's let's go with that. I, <laughs> I was thinking of a Japanese game because I, I Japan would be my first one. So playing Takedo in Japan, I love Japanese culture. Um, just the history of it. Um, the the value that is placed on um on the value of one's culture, I think is really important. Uh, everything from the food and to the families and history. I love samurais and i just I, I enjoy everything about the the culture i love the food of course i've never actually had the chance to eat authentic japanese food just yeah, the american you, version of it right if you went um tara would totally be on board um, my wife loves asian culture we um we lived in china for a while which i realize is not quite the same thing as japan but um she is dying to go to uh, Japan and and kind of explore Tokyo and the surrounding area and everything. King of Tokyo. There you go. There we go. There That's we go. You, so Takedo, I've Takedo is definitely more photogenic than uh, than King of Tokyo. I did back. Um, I think it's called Namiji, which is like the follow up to King of Tokyo. Yeah, Rising Tokyo. Well, Rising Sun is set in Japan. Yeah, so that'd be a great one. Um, there's also a classic game called Samurai. Uh, that'd be a good one to play. Hanabi is another one. All right, you got to choose one. Shogun, which because you got a you got a small suitcase carry on. What are you gonna bring to play in Japan on your vacation? You're making me pick one. One. I've never taken one board game with me anywhere in the world. <laughs> I would probably play something like Shogun. Shogun. Yep. Okay. okay. Yep. That's what I would go with on there. Um, but and just eat sushi while I'm playing. <laughs> I, I, sushi must be consumed while just this board game is wear played. Wear a samurai outfit. Yeah, samurai costume. A, com- a kimono a right next to you, piercing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Please forgive us for our cultural insensitivity. <laughs> <laughs> we know not what we do. Uh, yeah. So, I when we 
whenever we get a chance to Brady take an international trip one day, uh, we'll definitely do this wherever it is we decide to go. Well, Whether I'm still that's trying to l- talk you into going on the Dice Tower cruise. I'm all about us. it. Let's go. Yeah. I'm, I'm, we, I'm ready to sign up. We found you a way in. Yeah, we can go whenever we go visit Jamaica. We can play Jamaica there. Mm-hmm. We can go to... Whoa, whoa, whoa. Your, no spoilers. No spoilers? Yeah, okay, no spoilers. No spoilers. Um, yeah, that's it. I know we love to travel, and so it feels like now things are finally starting to open back up. Dice yeah, Tower Cruise is going to be the next thing up on there. Being able to go places and, yeah. and play games with people yeah. in real uh, life. It's great. Speaking of new things coming in, um, I got Path of Light and Shadow came in today. I know you're all about that. I am I am excited to play that one. So the reason I'm excited about it is it's a deck building game, um, but it's a deck building game where you're focusing on leveling up the cards you have in your deck, making them more powerful, calling, like how rewarding calling cards. I've never felt calling cards being that rewarding as in that game. A lot of times you're like having to spin an action just to get rid of cards with this one. Calling the cards not only does it make you more efficient, but you can actually better yourself and score some victory points yeah, by you, calling cards. You mentioned this, um, but I, I remember when you were describing that, it, what, it was reminding me of Thunderstone Quest. I just bought that. Oh, you just bought Thunderstone? Okay. Yeah, it'll so be here soon. And we'll so, have to do a little comparison. Yeah, and Thunder, I was, oh, thank you for reminding me. I Thunder, that Path of Light and Shadow led me to like, what other deck building games? Because I like deck building. Uh, I just... I want something more engaging with it. And so Thunderstone Quest uh, was another one I found. It has two ways you can play it. You can you can play Thunderstone Quest where each game, uh, you can either go through like a story mode, which I don't think we'd ever do, but you can set out, these are the set weapons, these are the set items, these are the set characters with level one, two, and three upgrades for them. These are the set bonuses. Everyone gets a little side quest. And so it's Dominion style. You're doing your deck building, going to your market, going out to the dungeon, but everyone is playing from the same assortment of cards that are out there that's set up in the scenario, which can you do more efficiently. Or there's an epic version of Thunderstone Quest where every item card, every weapon card is unique that comes out. And so it's like a rolling market. Yeah, Yeah. Or it's a rolling market of heroes that can join your band. And then you actually have a dungeon with every game you pull out Six tiles, a level two, level ones, two, level two, and two, level three dungeon dungeons. Stronger mar- monsters in each one, and so obviously the stronger the monsters, the more experience points you're getting based on the characters you have in your hand. But you have to actually travel through the dungeon, spending light resources to get further into it. And so it, it was interesting, but it had two different ways. There's like your Dominion style, where you're like, these are our set games. We can we can customize whatever set options yeah. there are in the game find those cool combos or you can have i think maybe what i would like more is kind of like a rolling market of constantly changing options yeah it's always interesting um playing deck builders where it's like there's a rolling market and then there's like the set way i don't know which one i like i think they're both interesting yeah to to mix it in because because when we do dominion we don't really play any other deck builders that are like dominion as much as like hey let's just hone in on these combos and really maximize it to its potential because you can get really i think you can get really cool combos when you have set decks and you're trying to maximize them so i'm excited i found a really good deal for thunderstone it's a i think it's going to include the play mat and all kinds of stuff in it and add-ons as well i think it's going to have over 1500 cards in it yeah in the I, set that I, have. I remember when that came out on kickstarter i i considered backing it because it looked awesome yeah now most of the cards are that high because there's duplicates right yeah. but you can the thunderstone epic is like you're taking one of each and you're making an epic deck yeah. out of it so i'm excited for it i got a really good deal because like it's two big boxes. I think I can probably condense it down to one. But the shipping on it was ridiculous. The, someone on eBay were wanting to charge me eighty to one hundred and twenty dollars just to ship the thing. I found someone on Facebook Mark on the Facebook board game group and stuff that was willing to ship it to me for twenty five bucks. So I got a really good deal on it. So I think we got some cool deck building games, which I know you love to yeah. experiment with. A deck building I'm, game I, that has you know I we talk about you know games getting killed some sometimes, um, and to me. Dominion continues to reign supreme, but it, I almost want it to be killed. Like I want to find the deck builder that is better than because you love it so much, right? Yeah. So we're gonna have a deck builder. Both of these be- deck builders have the concept of leveling up cards, which I think is really cool because it you get to focus on really unique strategies. Uh, Path of Light and Shadow is gonna have some area control player interaction, and then Thunderstone Quest is gonna have like that fantasy narrative adventure kind of aspect on it there's actually a cooperative mode that you can actually do to where you can have like a big bad and you're all trying to level up collectively your decks to go after it so there's a couple different really cool mechanics and the artwork is pretty good in both of them i like like and they're very clean and simple to deck cards that you can i i like deck builders where 
you can easily identify those cards because like playing a deck builder where everyone's leaning over the table the entire time like trying reading to, cards reading time. cards yeah. and whoa how does that like obviously cards that change little things in the game or what you can do are cool that's what we like about like games every card is like a unique thing that you've never seen before and like how is this gonna work you see that in some of these like super super deep yeah there was deck builders. one that we played not too long ago with Steven, it was about space or something. And I felt like that. Core worlds. Core worlds, yeah. I felt like that the whole time where I was like, I don't know how it wasn't as, cards I, That was my second time playing. It does get better second time playing. It, is, it isn't as bad. To, but icons, Eternal but it's starting to push it. Was, Eternal was pretty sweet. I liked, I liked Eternal. You know, I watched a, a review with uh, Tom Vassell did of Eternal, and he uh, he really hated the game at anything more than two. He really hated yeah. it. Because the whole concept, like, obviously, if you win, you get powered up and he also said there is like some randomness and luck like you can literally just pull a bad hand even though you've been doing really well and someone just pulls a ridiculously phenomenal hand and you get completely killed in one turn that yeah. can happen in the game yeah i still think it was fun i think i'm gonna buy that one too so i think we've got a, a little we need to do a, a deck building special we yeah. play play some 24 of these deck hour deck building marathon, marathon. <laughs> and we review them i like it Right. But I enjoy that. Like we we sometimes we just get on kicks of different board game mechanics and we go down the rabbit hole. For um, you, it was uh, trick taking. Yeah, <laughs> you're doing the deck building <laughs> rabbit hole. Um, well, hopefully you didn't buy all these only to realize that like Dominion's still going to be the best one. Like hey, I did with my uh, motto: I need to put on a shirt. You can always sell them. Uh, yeah. All right. All well, right. I think that's going to be it for this week's episode. Um, thank you for tuning in. As always, I'm Matthew and I'm Brady, and this has been the, the discussion phase. phase. Thank you for tuning into this week's episode of the discussion phase. If you enjoyed our content and like to hear more, make sure to tune back every week for new episodes that are dropping. You can follow us on Instagram at the discussion phase uh, for reviews, uh, board game posts. You can also join in on the discussion and send us a message at the discussion phase at gmail.com. Thanks everybody. 